What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Carolina Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Turner, and we're back with another special episode. I've got my main man, Brandon Two, back on the pod today. Uh, I don't know if you, if you haven't heard it yet, be sure to go listen to the first pod me and Brandon did uh, probably about a month ago before Carolina really jumped into their tough non-conference slate uh, in basketball. But I've got Brandon back on tonight to do a little Gonzaga preview and talk about and get his reaction and thoughts from how Carolina has looked so far this season. So like we always do, let's go ahead and jump right into it. But first, Brandon, glad to have you back on, like I've already mentioned. But uh, how you doing today, man? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, dude. Let's, uh, let's talk some Tar Heel hoops. Most I, definitely. Uh, I hit you up for this, and, and I was like, Gonzaga's one of my teams that I've been, I've been keeping an eye on. Actually, spoiler alert, they're my preseason national title pick. Ooh. So uh, I'm really high on Gonzaga this year. So I, I was, I'm excited for this game outside of that, but, but it's going to be a fun matchup in Chapel Hill on Saturday. Yeah, I think it is too, Brandon. And, you know, Gonzaga team right now only lost one game so far this season. North Carolina, 7-2 uh, and two right now. I've played nine games, number 12 in the country overall. Haven't played... Since the UNCW game, I believe that was on December 5th. So 10 days until the Gonzaga game. Gonzaga's December 15th. So, Brandon, before we kind of jump into talking about how Carolina has played so far this season, I want to ask you, do you think it's going to hurt Carolina? One of the reasons, obviously the main reason they haven't played in so long is because of that exam period. Uh, Gonzaga's had a few days off as well. They played Tennessee, I want to say. Was that last weekend, Brandon? Yes, they played Tennessee last weekend, so they've got like a seven-day break in between too. So, um, do you? How do you feel about you know Carolina being off for so long? Obviously, didn't play well up in Michigan. Then we got a pretty easy, comfortable win over UNCW, who's not that great anyway. So, do you think that ten-day break is going to positively affect Carolina? Or you think that might hurt them a little bit? I know you can obviously theoretically get more practice time but with exams they that might not have been the case so how do you feel about that 10-day layoff for the Tar Heels and how that might affect their uh game plan and how they how they perform against Gonzaga on Saturday night well when you, when you look at the college basketball season you, you got to start with with maybe the exam time especially after exams is really crucial moment for teams you know to to settle in, have all that practice time, really stay on campus by themselves. They're mainly the only people there besides other athletes. So you get to bond with your teammates. You really get to hone in. But during exam period, I think you're, you're right in, in speculating that it is kind of difficult to get into the practice gym, make sure you're working on your stuff. But, but if there was one thing that, that Coach Roy has to, has to be working on, it has to be the defensive side of the ball. Because, Definitely. quite frankly, it's – it's not been pretty on the defensive side of the ball as of as of late and really to start this season. But I, I still think they have a really good shot against Gonzaga. And, and I, I think especially since it's in Chapel Hill, they'll have a, a, a real shot to win that game because of the home crowd. And hopefully that, that's an exciting home crowd, especially with a, a matchup of two top 15 teams. Hopefully people are excited and come out to the Dean Dome in Chapel Hill to watch that one. But it's going to be a fun night, and I'm really looking to, to see how the defensive side of the ball has improved for, for the Tar Heels since their last game 
against UNCW because I'm not as worried about the offensive side of the ball. It's more it's more the defensive issues right now. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the main things with Carolina, and I mean Coach Roy Williams has been you know mad about it, ticked off as he like to say the whole year has been their defensive effort. I don't really think I think that's been the main thing he's been mad at. Uh, obviously, effort translates to a, a performance usually. So I think Coach Williams has been really, really frustrated with that. And, Brandon, you kind of touched on it a little bit. Like I said, Carolina's sitting at 7-2. They lost that game to Texas in Las Vegas, which if they start that game a little bit differently, maybe it's different. They played relatively well in the second half, especially late, but weren't able to close that one out. But, Brandon, I want to ask you real quick, I know that loss at Michigan was ugly and kind of set some guys back on on the hype around Carolina, especially because it was just kind of one of those performances where Carolina almost looked like they didn't want to be there. We looked a little bit scared, a little bit timid. Michigan's a great team, especially defensively. Don't get me wrong. Michigan had a lot to do with that, especially with the game being in Ann Arbor. But, Brendan, talk to me a little bit about how you feel about Carolina so far through the first nine games. Obviously, two losses against Texas, a team that has had some really, really bad losses since then. I think they lost to Radford. I want to say they lost to somebody else. I can't remember off the top of my head who that was. Um, Texas hasn't looked great. Michigan, obviously, a good team. Carolina losing both of those games. How do you feel about Carolina and where they stand uh, nine games in and, and really only three games, four games away, including the Gonzaga um, game this weekend from, from ACC play? Yeah, there's a lot of um, unpack from what you just said. So I guess I'll start with the, the Michigan loss since that was probably the one that got everyone upset. Uh, some people on edge about about Roy's comments even saying this is one of his worst coaching jobs. What can they do to fix it? I mean, let's not hit the panic button. Definitely let's not. not. Let's not scream <laughs> and, and shout from the mountaintops. I mean, I know sometimes Carolina fans get on get on uh, social media out there and they're talking about firing Will Williams. The strategy isn't working. The recruiting isn't working. He's getting out-recruited by Coach K, by Coach Cal. Look at, look at how one-and-done is affecting the game. He doesn't. He's not even playing Nazir Little, his one-and-done freshman. People, people need to calm down a little bit. It is just one game in the middle of November, December, and, and really the, the point of that game is is to show how great Michigan can be. Like that Michigan team lost guys like like Wagner last year, and they lost some top some top picks to the NBA draft. Not top picks, but NBA players. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, they might be better this year. I know it's crazy. And, and, and look, Iggy Brasdakis, mm-hmm. he's one of the best players in the country. Like oh, there yeah. is no doubt in my mind that Brasdakis is one of the best players in the country. The way he plays defensively, that team for Beeline is as bad as good as it gets. And, and so they did a very good job of shutting down UNC. But, yeah, it was kind of problematic that partway through that that game, Roy does the whole – we talked about it uh, on our last pod that we did, Jake, you know, the whole switch five guys out, the whole hockey line change, mm-hmm. get new guys in there because you're, you're ticked off. And then he kind of just let them stay in there, and it kind of fell apart for them. But honestly, I I wasn't too upset about that loss. I was more upset about the Texas loss, and we've seen what Texas has done afterwards. I, I don't know if you can say Shaka Smart. Maybe he's like the Carolina killer or, or something <laughs> like that. He only beats Carolina because those are his two signature wins right now at Texas. I mean, we, we know what he did at VCU, but – 
he really hasn't done much at Texas besides beating Carolina in the non-conference. So when you look at it, when you look at a game like that, Kobe White drops his 31 points, and, and that's spectacular on the offensive end. Like when you're when you're being compared to names like Harrison Barnes, Tyler Hansbrough, I, I think Jordan had a 30 point game at one point during his freshman year. I, I might be mistaken. I think I think you did. I think you're right. Yeah, but when you're when you're getting compared to guys like that, you are in a a special class on the offensive end of the of the court. But he also defensively was atrocious. Mm. That entire team was atrocious defensively for against Texas. And when when you're letting Kerwin Roach drop about thirty plus points, that's when you're gonna lose. That's how Texas is gonna be is gonna be good this year. They're gonna have to have the guards score the basketball and that's what they did against Carolina in that game. I was really surprised that Roy went to the two three zone or the point zone for about I don't know, four possessions, and it looked pretty good. Like, I think Texas got a corner three out of it, but it was a late – it was a shot, it was a shot late, in the cor- late in the shot clock, and it kind of just went in. And, and quite frankly, I think their best defense was when they went to zone. But we know Roy refuses to play zone sometimes. He, he's stuck in his ways. He, he's kind of stubborn about that sometimes, and that's what makes him a great coach. Like, w- we forget – that it's all a process for Roy Williams this season, and it's about progressing to being a very good to great team at the end of the year. Yes, you're going to hit bumps like the Michigan game and the Texas game and even the UCLA game in Las Vegas. They didn't look great for most of that game, mm-hmm. but they found a way to pull it out. They found a way to play better. And when people – look, Jake, when people complain about Nazir Little not playing enough minutes – like it comes down to the fact that Roy knows at the end of the year he needs one of his big men, and and even you could say Garrison Brooks really isn't a five; he's more of a four body type with his six eight frame, and he's kind of more slim than than he is than he is big, and he needs one of those guys to step up, and so that's why he starts Garrison Brooks. That's why he plays Garrison Brooks the minutes he plays. But Nazir Little still still gets starters minutes. Oh yeah, he still plays nineteen minutes a game. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's not playing Nazir Little, but he needs guys who are going to go out there and do what is necessary to win ball games. It's about doing the little things, about setting good ball screens, playing good defense. And right now they're not a good defensive team. They're actually they're not good at all. I mean, in that in that Michigan game, there was a lot of times where Michigan set a ball screen, Texas set a ball screen, and they just couldn't defend it. Mm-hmm. And that that's going to be problematic, especially when you're going up against teams like Gonzaga on Saturday. How do they fix through those issues? I think we saw a little bit of, of them get fixed against UNCW, but that's UNCW. What are you going to do against a team like Gonzaga, who's one of the best teams in the country? That That's when, that's when we're really going to see them progress forward but for people to get upset and be like the system isn't working Roy isn't working as a coach the man wins national titles he is a a proven winner he is one of the active winningest coaches in NCAA right now in history he is one of the most winningest coaches you could argue that if he wins another national title he could be on the Mount Rushmore with Dean Smith John Wooden and Coach K I mean, he could kick Bob Knight out of the Rushmore. That that is how great 
Roy Williams has been. And so for people to freak out and, and to, to really freak out on some of these losses, it, it kind of frustrates me as a Carolina fan and, and someone who just loves college basketball because it, it's all about getting to March and it's about the process of getting to March. And, and, and I think what makes Roy and even what makes Dean Smith so great is that those guys are able to use the same concepts and the same system for like 50, 60 plus years. It, it's, it's crazy. It's mm-hmm. actually insane. We know, Jake, we know when we go to a Carolina basketball game, we're going to see the same exact sets, the oh, yeah. same exact concepts run on offense and defense every single game. And teams still can't stop them. They still can't. They win more than they lose. And, and that's actually kind of, that's out of body almost. That's ridiculous that, that Dean Smith has implemented concepts that still win today and that Roy Williams still uses those concepts and they still win. Now, of course, I'd love to see them mix Nazir Little in, and eventually they will. And do I think that Sterling Manley is good enough? Like, we might be having to ask ourselves that question. Is Sterling Manley actually good enough to be on the court for an extended period of time in a Carolina uniform? We, I mean, that might be one of those things where we have to ask that. Is Garrison Brooks good enough? Mm-hmm. I think that's why he's starting him. That's why he's playing him. You have to find a guy who fits the system. And, Vo- and Roy's system is... A point guard who runs the point, and ha- he always has two big men. And last year, he really didn't have a big man, and that that was their, their downfall. That was a kryptonite. And this year, it's, it's really the same way. It, it kind of sucks, Jake, but mm-hmm. their best lineup is, is small ball. Oh, yeah. Luke at the five and Nazir at the four. And, and it doesn't suck in terms of it wouldn't win games and it wouldn't work. It's just that's not what Roy wants to run. That's not what he is accustomed to running. And, and he's trying to find that, that other big, but right now those guys haven't progressed to the level that they need to progress at. Yeah, Brandon, I I kind of can agree with everything you said. I think one of Carolina's biggest problems this year has been the big man play. Sterling Manley and Garrison Brooks, I've been asking myself the same question in a lot of ways. I'm not quite sure if they are good enough based on what I've seen so far. Even Roy Williams has said it, even some this year, and, and especially in the offseason, that both of those guys didn't progress as much as he would have liked them to and really as much as he expected them to. And I think that's kind of hurt him. Carolina's best lineup is the small ball. But for me, it just comes down, besides all that stuff, which is definitely a concern, a little bit of a concern for Carolina, not too much because of how early it is and still because of how good Carolina is. I mean, they still are 7-2, and two, and they when it, when it really comes down to it, they lost to a Michigan team that right now at this point in the season is better than them and a yeah, Texas right exactly now. and a Texas team that isn't better than them but it just shows I mean it's college basketball major division one power five college basketball you can lose on any given night especially when you got to fly across the country uh, for a game like that so for me Brandon real quick before we move on to the Gonzaga preview if you had to grade Carolina sitting at seven and two through the first nine games you know one to ten one being a poor season obviously and 10 being, you know, as good as it gets, what grade would you give uh, Carolina at this point right now? It's, uh, it's kind of hard to tell, I know, because they've only played really one really good team. It would be a lot easier, I think, to tell after the, the next two weeks or so when they got Gonzaga and Kentucky back-to-back. But what grade would you give the Tar Heels right now? Yeah, I, I would say they're probably sitting around, 
I mean, realistically, they're probably sitting around, what, a seven right now? I'd agree. I'd say like a six and a half or seven, yeah. Yeah, like, it's not not great. And it can obviously get better. And and obviously on the defensive side of the ball. Like, we joke when, when Roy was talking about them being one of the worst defensive teams in all of Division one basketball like one of his quotes was how many division one basketball teams are there and are there he was like there's 350 of them right and and where where are we in terms of in terms of defense we we might be one of the worst in the country yeah (laughs) now stats wise i I think they've actually played pretty well defensively yeah not bad you look you look you look at the game against michigan you look at the game against texas and it's just about finding the communication and the chemistry on that side of the floor. At some point, you are going to get physically beaten by, like, Brasdakis kind of physically outworked Garrison Brooks and Luke May and whoever was guarding him. And and even Teske kind of, you know, was just better than Carolina on that night. But do I think that every guy on Carolina is going to get physically imposed upon on the defensive end? No, I, I think it's more about communication and about about you know working that side of the ball and working those things out, especially pick and roll, ball screen communication. That that was the biggest killer, especially in the Michigan game, the Michigan and the Texas game. They both of those teams. Even Texas, like Shaka Smart came out and said, we put them in a ball screen every chance we got. Mm-hmm. So for me, it comes down to can they progress on that side of the court? Now, I did mention that Roy went to that zone, the, the, the point zone, and even the 2-3 zone in that, in that game for, for a little bit. And it actually worked. And I was surprised he went to it. I, didn't, I couldn't believe that he didn't go to it sooner because they really couldn't do anything. But I remember... Back in 2005, in the national title game, Raymond Felton picked up two fouls early against Darren Williams. And Carolina went to the point zone with, with Raymond Felton at the top. For, I would say, from the 10-minute mark on until about the two-minute mark. And they were outplaying Illinois, Illinois, who was one of the best teams in the country. One of the best teams in college basketball history. Up in up until that point, if they had won the national title, we would have been talking about that team as one of the best teams ever because they only had one loss on their on their resume up until that point. Like they they were an exceptional team. Yeah, they were elite. And Carolina went to a zone and shut that team down. Now, part of me wonders if Roy can go to the zone and this team would be better. And I'm not saying go to the zone. You know, don't be like Coach K and go to it 50% of the time like they did last season. Like, don't adapt like that, maybe. But just play it, let's say, 15 times a game, 16 possessions a game. Just show it to teams. And, and, and maybe Carolina can figure it out defensively. And now, I'm, I'm not here to say that, that, like, for the majority of the season that they've been atrocious because they really haven't been like Kim Palm ranks them. And I, I live or die by, by the Kim oh, Palm yeah. rankings, by the way, like, <laughs> I live or die by, by these stats. Like their adjusted defensive efficiency for, for Kim Palm right now is at a 94.6, which is seven, which is 31st in the country. And it's actually ahead of Gonzaga who is 56. Wow. So I, I mean, I think they're, they're, they're pretty good defensively, when they're not being put in ball screens against teams that are physically 
imposing on them. And, and they're in a situation where the guards like Kobe White or, or even Kenny Williams. Kenny Williams has not looked that great. And he'd probably be my biggest disappointment uh, on the season yeah. so far. It's just the way he's shooting the ball. And, and, I mean, there's a couple of games where he's really locked down defensively. But then other times where he just hasn't looked good. And, and I think it partly... And you can even speak on this probably more. I mean, partly that has to do with probably the injuries that that he's been dealing with, the nagging injuries. And, and, and look, well, I mean, I'm not here to say that. I mean, I've said before that maybe Cam Johnson is an average defender, or maybe a little bit above average at times, but but he can be a below average defender. But it it's about team defense. It's about buying in on that, on that side of the ball. And with, with the amount of seniors they have and, and just – the way this team is set up, they will buy in on that end of the ball. There's, there's no question in my mind. By the end of the year, they will buy in defensively. Mm-hmm. This team reminds me more of that 2017 team that won more than it does like the 2005 or 09 team that won or even some of, some of the later teams before I was born, you know, like the 82 team or even – this might even be like not even a 93 team like – it's just one of those things where this team has the potential to win a national title, but it's about sharing things up on the defensive end and then taking efficient shots on the offensive side of the ball. And at some point, Jake Nazir Little will have to play significant minutes. He will have to provide them with an energy off the bench and really impose his will on the game. He, he, he has the ability to take over basketball games and he's gonna have to do that if this team wants to be a national title contender. Do you you got you got Kobe White scoring, but Nazir Little has to be that guy. Do you think he's the guy so do you think he's the guy for Carolina that most needs to step up? Would you say it's Nazir or would you say maybe it's a Manly or a Brooks instead? Oh, I I mean that's a that's a good question, like in terms of who needs to step up. Like Brooks obviously would would probably need to step up for Roy to really get the, the people that he wants on the court. Like, Roy wants a shot blocker on the court, and he just he just doesn't have one on this team. No. Like, it, it, it's sad, but that's just, that's just what it comes down to. And it, it's not a bad thing. Like, they can work through that, and Garrison Brooks at least knows what – looks like he knows what he's doing on the court. When he's on the court, they at least look better defensively. Mm. Now – I don't know where Manley would be if he if he didn't have those two broken legs. I believe it was the same leg in high school. The, I think it was. Legs. I think it was actually two oh, different ones. I think it was both of them, if yeah, I remember yeah, correctly. It, it, I mean, I don't know where he would be athletically, like if he didn't break his legs and, and all the stories about what what he was athletically. It's just not what he is. It's not, and I'm not here to say that he can't play significant minutes because don't get me wrong there there are guys on, on multiple carolina teams who didn't look like they had the the athletic ability or talent to be on the court and they're out there playing significant minutes out there really balling for for the team in the in the few minutes they have and i'm not here to say that sterling manley can't do that and we saw in the w game he went with manley and brooks on the floor at the same time at certain points in the game and they actually looked pretty good now, Devontae Kaycock was in foul trouble, and I'm going to attribute some of that to the fact that they were playing the the backup the backup big man for UNCW. But I, I still think there's a place for Manley and Brooks on this team. 
it's just right now the the best team possible is the small ball lineup. And even you could, there's arguments to be made if you can take Kenny Williams out of the lineup and just put Seventh Woods in. Mm-hmm. Now that was before Seventh Woods didn't look that good against UNCW. But there there's multiple people who I've talked to that have just said, well, what what if you put Woods at the one and move White to the two? And I don't even think Roy wants to do that because there's a reason he's playing White at the one. He believes in White being his point guard. Now, I'm all for White going and getting a basket, and I look, he's been their best offensive player right now. He obviously has been, and and if his shot keeps falling, like, forget about it. I mean, Jake, we've talked about this before, and and I'm sure people on your podcast have heard this before. There's a reason Kobe White is the all-time leading scorer in prep high school basketball history. It's because he can fill up the fill up the hoop, and, and he's going to continue to do that. But for this team to reach the potential they need to reach, I know this is kind of a, a, a long-winded circling back to your question, I think it has to come down to those big men, of course, have to step up. But the biggest step forward that someone has to make is Nazir Little has to step forward and, and really – make himself a presence on the court. He has to take over games in order for this team to succeed. And I'm not saying he needs to play more than 19 minutes a game. I don't know if he even needs to start because we saw when Marvin Williams was on the court in 05, Marvin Williams played six-man minutes. And look, he he imposed his will on some games. He, he showed he was a presence. It got him the number two pick overall in that year's draft. So people saying that it's affecting the zero little's draft stock, that I mean, I'm a that's that's crazy. Like that's asinine. Like Nazir Little can play six man minutes and still be the number two overall pick. It's about showing the talent that you have. And, and look, he has the he has the chance to be an exceptional defender. Like I'm saying like DeAndre Hunter level uh, of defender. And, and you you know DeAndre Hunter from Virginia, that man can guard anybody one through five mm-hmm. and can lock guys down. And that Nazir has the chance to do that. And, and I feel like he kind of has to be like that on the defensive side of the ball. And then he has to take efficient shots and really drive and get to the basket and, and make his mid-range pull-up jump shots like he's capable of doing. I, I think Nazir Lilk is still one of the top five NBA prospects and, and he has a chance to really show that he's one of the best players in college basketball and, and i'm not here to say that he hasn't played well this season because he has but for this carolina team to be where they want to be at the end of the year he has to be the guy for this team yeah brandon i, I completely agree with everything you said i i love the way you kind of broke down it all and you know obviously great analysis once again on carolina and we all right we've talked a lot about carolina we've talked a lot about the guys that need to step up Let's go ahead and dive into this Gonzaga team and the matchup with Carolina. Now, real quick, Gonzaga, a team right now that's having a little bit of injury concerns. Geno Crandall out four to six weeks, you know, reserve guard for the Gonzaga. Killian Tilly's been out uh, since late October. He'll be out till maybe the first of the year, late December. He won't be playing against Carolina. Besides that, Brandon, this Gonzaga team has had a really good year sitting at 9-1. and one. They obviously... Beat Duke 89 to 87 earlier in the year. They've got some impressive wins you know, over the likes of Texas AM, Arizona, uh, Creighton, Washington, Tennessee. Well, excuse me, they lost to Tennessee, which we'll talk about in a second. But those other victories over, you know, the likes of Washington, 
Creighton, Duke, Arizona, oh, Illinois, A and M. Duke was the most impressive. Yeah, one, by far. By far, and talk to me, Brandon, a little bit. I know they lost that game at Tennessee to Tennessee, neutral site location. Tennessee's a good team. They've been really solid this year. Have kind of surprised some people. They were expected to do really well. I personally didn't think they beat Gonzaga, but they looked really good in that game. And talk to me a little bit, real quick, about just your thoughts on on Gonzaga before we dive into to the matchup at hand to to wrap up the podcast. Well, yeah, and, and you mentioned that that Tennessee Gonzaga game on the neutral floor that was in Arizona. I believe it was in the, in the Jerry Colangelo Classic. Mm-hmm. And, and look, that that was the best college basketball game I've seen this year. And I've seen. I, I don't. I know you've seen a lot. My luck. I don't <laughs> push my luck in terms of games that I've seen, but I've seen upwards of at least pieces of. I would say two hundred. I believe it. Basketball games. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I watch. I watch a lot. Like. The, like Harvard Vermont was on, and I was watching them. Penn Villanova, I, I love. You just love. You just love it, man. You just love it all. Yeah, yeah. Tennessee Gonzaga was fantastic. I mean, you had Admiral Schofield hitting like twenty-five foot jump shots. Zach Norvell was talking trash to him, hitting jump shots. I, I, Grant Williams might have been the best player on the court, and he fouled out, and Tennessee still won. But I mean, to get this Gonzaga team, they are number one. An adjusted offense that's points per possession in the country, according to Ken Palm. And they have 122.1 points per 100 possessions for Gonzaga this year. Wow. That, that's absolutely, that's just bonkers. That I mean, there, There's a lot of words to describe what that is, but I, I think the best word is bonkers. Uh, they <laughs> have a ton of scoring options, and, and Rory Hachimura... I mean, this guy didn't even play in the national title game against Carolina two years ago. And now he might be one of the best NBA draft prospects in the country. He might be the player of the year candidate in the country right now at 22 points per game, six rebounds, and 30 minutes. Uh, he, he, he's incredible for Gonzaga. But then they have shooters like Zach Norvell, who's taking less threes this year. But he, he's setting his feet when he's taking him. He's knocking him down. Brandon Clark is fantastic on the outside. So is Josh Perkins. Corey Kispert is, is just a, a, a 3 and D type of guy. A guy who's able to lock guys down. And I, I, I just love this Gonzaga team. I loved them before, before this season even started because you just look at this roster. You look at who's on this team. And, and they don't even have, as you said, Gino Crandell or are um, Kelly and Tilly, and they're still putting up this amount of, of points, and, and they're scoring, and they're playing defense, and, and it's just fun to watch. This this is Mark Few's. I'm just going to come out and say, this is Mark Few's best Gonzaga basketball team. And they've had a lot of, uh, a lot of really good ones. This is his best one by far. They, they go about seven or eight deep, maybe even nine of guys who can just play. And Look, they're going to be a tough out for Carolina. And some of the matchups that I'm looking forward to watching is maybe does Nazir Little get matched up on, on Hachimura? Does he get matched up on Norvell? How is Kobe White going to do against against a guy like, like Clark or Kispert? Or, or how is Kenny Williams going to do against those guys? I mean, Hachimura down low is going to be a handful for whoever Carolina decides to put on him. So whether it's Brooks, whether it's May, like, that scares me. If May and Hachimura end up being a matchup, 
May's going to have to try to win that one. Yeah. And I'm not saying, like, outplay Hachimura, but don't get physically dominated like he has in the past with some guys. And, and that's not a shot at Luke May. That's just that's just what it is. Hachimura is, 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 is that guy for Gonzaga. And Luke May needs to be that guy for Carolina. He needs to be an All-American, ACC preseason player of the year type of player for Carolina to succeed in this game. And, and same thing with Nas Little. He's going to have to do his thing. But this is a fun Gonzaga team. And if you haven't seen them play and you're going to the to the Smith Center to watch them, like no matter how they play in this game, just know that this team can put the ball in the basket. And they will score at will sometimes during this game. And, and Carolina's going to have to respond. They're going to have to take the punch in the mouth. They're going to they're gonna have to throw one back. I think Carolina has to get off to a hot start, though. They have to get out to a really good start and then kind of sustain that up until the first half. If they go in the first half leading by, by maybe eight eight points, double digits, I think they really have a real shot of winning this game. If, if it is even to about eight points, Carolina, Carolina will have a shot. Obviously, if it's even, they'll, they'll have a shot. But I'm saying if they're able to take Gonzaga's best punch, and you know Gonzaga's going to be fired up. If you're able to take that best part and then sustain that through the first half, they're going to have they're going to have a chance to win the game, and it's going to be a fun game to watch. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, you look at you mentioned the high scoring teams. Gonzaga's third in the country right now uh, in points per game, ninety four points. Carolina's fifth with ninety three points. So Carolina's literally well ninety three point three. Gonzaga's ninety four point one. So Carolina's literally. Uh, less than a point away from Gonzaga in terms of how many points they're scoring on the year. Brandon, let's talk about the matchup. We've already kind of touched on it a little bit, but Gonzaga, North Carolina, this Saturday, December 15th, 7 p.m. game in the Smith Center. Smith Center is going to be rocking. You've got two really high-scoring teams. But one thing I find interesting is these two teams are top five in the country in scoring, but they're both ranked you know, up in the 200s in uh, total defense, which when you look at it, they're only allowing, you know, high 70s a game it's not horrible but they're 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 teams that in a lot of ways this year except for a a couple games you know Carolina's had a lot of games where they have just outscored everybody because they were superior and they haven't really had to play defense and then they've been exposed Gonzaga's been a little bit more consistent on the defensive end but they've still let up a lot of points this year as well Brandon how do you how do you think this game will fare out do you think it's going to be a high scoring one or you do think do you think maybe this is a you know a low scoring game I mean they played Tennessee and it was both teams were only in the 70s. I think it was 76, 73, something yeah. like that. How do you do you think that game is going to be more similar to Tennessee, or do you think this is going to be a shootout and maybe whoever has the ball last wins the game? Yeah, uh, this matchup kind of reminds me of, of, of that matchup with, with Kentucky Carolina, right? Like a couple of, of yeah. Is it was it Malik Monk? Was, yeah, yeah. Was that's I think I think Jackson Jackson, Jackson had up? like 30, and he had Monk had like Both 35 or something. 100, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. It kind of reminds me of that game. Like, I can see this getting into the upper 80s, 90s. I could, too. Like, like part of me wants to say it's going to be in the 70s because it's going to be a grinded out. Maybe both teams are jacked up because they haven't played in a while. And, you know, you got teams missing shots. But the one thing I would say is Carolina still plays fast. They are ninth in the country in adjusted tempo, according to Kim Palm. They, they play fast. Now, Gonzaga doesn't play as fast as they do, about 83rd in the country. So, so not not that fast. They they like to slow it down more than more than they like to push it. But it's going to be about getting good shots on the offensive end. Both of these teams are going to be 
people looking for good shots. Now, in no way is this going to be like the Virginia game where Virginia is going to slow it down. <laughs> they're going to be looking for the best shot possible, and Carolina's going to have to do the same thing because the possessions might be might be lower. Like, no, this they, both teams will push the basketball when they can. Carolina will probably push it more. But Gonzaga, I, I, I just think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I, I think Gonzaga has guys who can score at all five positions, no matter who they put on the court. And Carolina, we've talked about it before. I mean, they can put the ball in the basket. Like, like Cam Johnson can shoot. When he's on, he's on fire. Mm-hmm. When Kenny Williams, whenever he gets his stroke back, and he's got it back here and there a couple of times. And, and I mean, he hasn't shot the ball that well this season consistently. But, I mean, he's still a really good shooter. So when he gets his shot back, I think he'll be fine. And then Kobe White. As long as he plays, I think he should be healthy enough to play. And if he comes back, that's going to be crucial. If he's able to, you know, fill up the basket, put some put some points on the scoreboard, and, and I'm going to say if he gets around 25 points a game and plays at least some solid defense on the other end, Carolina will have a chance to win this game. And, and I feel like Kobe White might have to put up 20-plus points. But that's going to be okay because it's going to be – a, a faster-paced game and a game where, where guys like Kobe White are going to have to showcase their ability. Now, you've got guys like Hachimura down low, and, and that's the one that scares you. What will Hachimura do against guys like Garrison Brooks and Luke May? Hopefully, May and, or Brooks or whoever's on him you know, can, can D up and, and kind of slow down Hachimura a little bit. But if you keep him around his average of 20, I mean, he averages 22. If you keep him around 20, I, I think Carolina will be just fine. Don't let don't let Hachimura go off for, like, 40 points <laughs> or, or, or Kispert to go off for 35. You know, don't let one of those things happen, like Kerwin Roach did against Carolina and, and the, the guards for Texas. I mean, they, those guys went off. Oh, yeah. Like, I couldn't believe how many times Kerwin Roach got to the basket, and I keep bringing that Texas game up, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Jake, that – that game got me really, really upset more than more than the Michigan. Game. You're not the but, you're not the only one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I, I I really think Carolina has a a pretty decent shot to win this game, and it's going to be about making shots. It's it's a miss or make business, and, and of course it's about making making shots. But even more so in this game, you're gonna have to find a way to knock down shots, especially shots from the outside. And I really want to see Roy Williams. I, I, I mean, I, I know he, he's a legendary basketball coach. He's obviously has way more basketball knowledge than, than even I do. But if Carolina can't match up man-to-man, I just love to see him go to, like, a 2-3 zone, a 1-3-1 zone, a, a point zone, and, and put, like, Kobe White up at the top. And even if someone gets in foul trouble, you can do that and see if you can keep someone on the floor. I think at some point Carolina has to go zone in this game and, and, and try to make Gonzaga shoot over the top of them and make shots. And, and I, I think Carolina will have a a distinct opportunity to do that this game, even though Gonzaga shoots the ball well. But you got to stay in front of your man defensively. You got to get over ball screens and you got to deny you know shooters coming off those ball screens. To, to make shots. If, if Kobe White and Kenny Williams and Cam Johnson are going under ball screens all day against Gonzaga, they, they will they will light Carolina up. you got to force yourself over the top and force Gonzaga to put the ball on the floor and get to the basket. 
All right, Brandon, it's that time. It's that time. It's that part of the, it's that part of the podcast. I got to ask you, prediction time. Who, who you got going into this one? And and let's focus on Carolina on this one. We don't need to talk about Gonzaga too much anymore. So I want the prediction of who you think is going to win and who do you think is going to be uh, the guy for Carolina, regardless if you think they're going to win or lose. Who do you think is going to have the biggest game for the Tar Heels? I, I think this is a, a moment where Kobe White and Nas Little, and I think more more so with, with Nazir, he, he's going to show why he's one of the best prospects in the country. And, and really, he's going to take that step forward to being one of the best college basketball players in the country. This, this is Nazir Little's time to, to show up and show out against a, a, a guy like Hachimura, a guy like Norvell, and, and really show that he, he's – He's for real in terms of his time here in Chapel Hill and that he wants to win a national title. He, he's going to be a guy who steps up for Carolina, and I'm, I'm going to predict it. I think he scores, let's say, 16 points. He grabs about eight rebounds, maybe has a, a couple of dimes in between that, too. I, I think this will be a 16-8 and eight type of game for, for Nazir, and then I'll even give you another one. I think Kobe White scores about 20 so Carolina will have a realistic shot to win this game. And I, I'm going to give you a score prediction. I think uh, I'm going to go 93-91. to 91. Ooh, I like my, that. My head, says, my head says Gonzaga. My heart says North Carolina. So I'm going with the Tar Heels. I like that. Going 93-91. It's going to be a high-scoring game. I like that one, Brandon. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my prediction. I, I agree with. I, I, I it's funny that you say Nazir and Kobe. I was kind of th- thinking the same thing, to be honest. I really think those are two guys. When you look at this game, they're gonna kind of me- make their mark, especially Nazir. I think Kobe has kind of done it already this year, especially against Texas and 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 UCLA as well. But you know, I think Nazir. I think this is that game where you know after you know a ten day period hasn't played a lot of basketball. You know, he's ready to get out there, coming off his you know first exam period in college. You know, I'm sure he's ready to play. I bet he's been in the gym a lot working on his game because he's that kind of guy. And, and I think Nazir Little has a big game. I think maybe he even gets up to the 20, 21 point mark like we've seen him do. Like we, we've seen him do it a couple times this year. He's gotten to 21. So I think he can do it. I think he's going to have a good game. Maybe he doesn't get to that point, but even if he gets 15, 16 points, like you said, that's still a really good game. You know, can maybe grab six or more boards. And that's a really good game for for your true freshman in, in, a, in a matchup like this. But my score prediction, I'm going to give you, I'm going to go a little bit lower. I think it's going to be a shootout still, but I'm going to go 85 to, to 81 Carolina on this one. I think it's just a little bit lower. I think Nazir Little has a good game. Kobe White has a good game. And, and Cam Johnson. And obviously Luke May, we haven't talked a lot about him. But I think you get production from your guys that you're used to getting production from. I think Kenny Williams... Don't I'm not confident on his shot too too much yet, but his defensive prowess is going to be huge for Carolina because he's their best yeah. defender. Roy Williams will tell you that it, it, without even thinking about it. Who's your best defender? It's Kenny Williams. He'll play him no matter what just because of that. So I think Carolina gets the victory, and I think it's going to be a, a really really exciting matchup in Chapel Hill on Saturday night, Brandon. And real quick before you go, if you we're going to come back on this podcast in the next couple of weeks and talk about, you know, going into ACC play. We might we probably won't do a podcast before the Kentucky game, Brandon. So, back-to-back games for for North Carolina against Gonzaga and Kentucky. Kentucky hasn't looked great, but just really quickly before we end it, do you think in Chicago Carolina has a, a good shot at beating Kentucky? Cuz for me, 
Kentucky is not that good this year. They have not impressed me at all. They haven't played a true road game yeah. yet this year. Do you think uh, Carolina has a chance to, to go back-to-back back because you're predicting a Gonzaga win? Do you think they can uh, beat Kentucky as well and, and, and get really, you know, two maybe even season-defining victories that can really, you know, change, a, change the, especially the fans' perspective on this team? If, if, if Carolina's still seven, you know, if Carolina's only had two losses in the next month or so, man, they've done a really good job, especially with that non-conference schedule that they had. Yeah, and you mentioned that Kentucky team. I've heard people around that Kentucky team who have talked to some of those players. I've heard some of, uh, of their thoughts on it. And, and look, those guys got bombarded and really they're shell-shocked from that Duke game. Like yeah. they, got, they just got intimidated by mm-hmm. Duke. They got beat down. It was just a classic yeah, beat down. at the Champions Classic to start the season, and they really haven't recovered since then. And I don't know if, if you've been on Twitter or if you've even seen it, but like Kentucky fans are getting upset. They're, they're tweeting at Megan Calipari. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Daughter, and she's like, look, I mean, the, the, I don't control this team. Like, like, I love Kentucky basketball. I love my dad, but, like, it's nothing to do with me. Kentucky fans are up in arms. They're upset. But, I mean, you might be right, Jake. I, I think this is a talented Kentucky bunch, but in terms of getting them to play together and, and getting some of those guys to, you know, try to play together, I, I don't know. I don't know if they can, and if Carolina gets gets beat by Gonzaga in, in close fashion and then goes to Kentucky and wins, I'll be fine with that. And if they win both games, obviously I'll be ecstatic about that. And if they look better on the defensive end, oh, that that will be a grace of of Carolina basketball, <laughs> I guess heaven. You know, yeah. that would be a miracle. Like that would be that would be awesome. Uh-huh. But for for me to sit here and say they're going to go two and zero is difficult. They definitely have a chance to get two season-defining victories, and especially one against a Kentucky team that is a little bit down. But don't sleep on that Kentucky team, because I still think they're talented, even though they have those problems. We'll see if Tyler Hero can can pick his game up. Quade Green's talking about transferring. I, don't I saw even, that, yeah. I don't even understand that. I, re- I really I don't, I don't get that at all. Maybe Coach Cowell has struck a nerve with him. Like, I, I don't get it. Reed Travis, I think, has is still it's still good for them so we'll, we'll see but in terms of this Carolina team facing those two teams back to back it's going to be difficult but that game in Chapel Hill Saturday night that's a season defining game for this for this Tar Heel team they're going to have to find a way to show up and show out against one of the best teams in the country this could be a final four preview depending on how Carolina plays and, and that that's no that's nothing to scoff at, especially considering we just saw maybe a Final Four matchup between Duke and Gonzaga. We saw a Final Four matchup between Gonzaga and Tennessee. Now Gonzaga might have to play a Sweet 16 Elite 8 team who has the potential to be a Final Four team. I mean, that's a brutal stretch of games for that team. And, and I, I think Carolina might catch them napping a little bit coming cross-country after exams. Carolina... It's going to be a fun game. I think that's where I can I can end it. I think both teams will put the ball in the basket. And look, if you're putting up 90-plus points, that means Cam Johnson shooting the ball well. That means Kenny Williams shooting the ball well. Seventh Woods is probably contributing a little bit, maybe even Leaky Black. Like They're going to score. Both teams are, are, are definitely going to score, or at least from what I've seen so far. I, I don't doubt that that will be a high-scoring game. 
Brandon, that's, I think that's a perfect place to wrap it up, man. Always a pleasure to have you on, and we'll get back on. We've I know we've talked about this in the last podcast, but I want to get you back on. I would say maybe early. Let's try to shoot for another podcast, maybe the week of the Pittsburgh game, January fifth. Oh, that sounds that sounds fun. We need we need to kind of dive into the ACC a little bit, and then obviously hey, we'll do that. Oh yeah. Doing his thing. See, that's a yeah. No, nah, they've they've done some. I'm I'm. I'm I'm a little high on Pittsburgh this year, man. I'm I'm curious to see what they do. I think, especially yeah. in the next couple years when he gets his guys in. But you know, I think he, right. he's a, he's a hell he's a hell of a recruiter. And I, I've been I've been a little interested to see what what Pittsburgh can do. I mean, they can't really do much worse than they did last season, so no, they're definitely no, going to improve. But you can't do worse than winless in the ACC. No, nah, you and can't. That's why. Yeah, but, that's why I'm kind of a little bit impressed with what Pittsburgh has done. But, yeah, that, that should be fun. Definitely, man. We'll get back on here. We'll have some more later in the season, maybe a mid-ACC review, and then we'll obviously you know, have a lot of stuff around March Madness and, and post-ACC, ACC tournament uh, type deal when it gets a little bit closer to, to February, March, and whatnot, Brandon. But always a pleasure, man. Um, be sure to go follow Brandon. You'll see it on our Twitter if you haven't. Go follow us at Carolina Talk Pod. I'll put his link to his Twitter uh, up there when I tweet out the podcast. And, and guys, just appreciate you for listening, man. And, and Brandon, I appreciate you coming on here. And, it, you know, encyclopedia of sports, man, that's what I call you. It's always it's always fun to have you on here and for you to break it down uh, like you did again today, man. Yeah, man, I, I think sometimes maybe maybe I get a little a little too heated, maybe being a little too much. But I appreciate you having me all on, man. And all peace and love, especially to everyone listening to this. Most definitely, Brandon. Uh, and I can't wait to get back on. And it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting in Chapel Hill on Saturday. I hope everyone gets out because it's gonna be exciting. Most definitely, Brandon. Thanks again, man. And uh, we'll see you later in the next the next month or so. We'll get you back on here, man. And hopefully, we got some good things to talk about. Let's go, let's go.